This is Town Square Sunday On Demand. And now, 1420 WBSM's Jim Phillips. The Fort Tabor Fort Rodman Military Museum is a hidden treasure in New Bedford South End. If you haven't visited the museum for a treat, the museum is a history of New Bedford men and women serving their country. And it's something every local resident should be aware of and really visit. Joining me today to talk about the museum is its president, Bill Nedwich. Uh, good morning, Bill, and welcome. Good morning, Jim. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. Uh, Bill, give us a brief history of the museum. Um, how long have you been involved with it, and uh, when did it all start? Well, the museum started in 2004. Uh, there was uh, three individuals, Don Moss, uh, Robert Brumley, and Joe Langlois, who started it. It started out in one building, a model of the fort, and 12 pictures. Joe Langlois was president up until a few years ago when he passed away. I've been with the museum for about four years, maybe five years now. Mm-hmm. And I've been president for about three and a half, almost four years. So, so uh, go, ahead. Go, ahead, go ahead, Joe. I don't want to inter- interrupt. No, so, again, um, that's mostly what I've been doing. I started out and I volunteered to take the vice president, and Joe passed away, and I became president. That's about mm-hmm. it. There has been one expansion that I know of, um, and it, it, it added a lot of space to uh, the building itself. Um, but really, this is, this is the small museum. It may be the biggest small museum in the country. I'm not quite sure. <laughs> but uh, it, it, it's not a very big place. No, but, it take, but there's so much in it, it takes you hours to go through it. I mean, it's not, it's not that it's a large museum, but it's just so crammed with so much information, so much histories of the people of our area that it takes a long time. We have people come in and say, i got to come back again. I haven't seen it all. I've been here for three hours. <laughs> um, it's amazing what you can see at the military museum for sure. Displays, photos, uniforms, weapons, and much more, all honoring New Bedford residents a great New Bedford residents who did their part in defending this country. Uh, how far back did the displays go, Bill? Well, actually, we have displays going all the way back to the Revolutionary War. Mm-hmm. Um, just to show you how things happened, we had an individual bring in, back in just before the War of 1812 and during the War of 1812, the city of New Bedford used to issue their citizens who were out on ships letters saying that they were American citizens and not British citizens, so that the British would not impress them to come on their ships. We just got a couple of those letters in, and wow. we're getting ready to put them on display. So, so I mean, you, you really see some amazing things when you go there. You know, it's, it's mm-hmm. incredible. It really is incredible. There are many photos on display. How about mm-hmm. correspondence from soldiers... To their family. That we have a few of, um, uh, not that many of. Most of the families like to keep those. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people want to bring it into the museum, and they do, and we do post them. Um, see, something sometimes there is no family. Uh, I don't know if you know the name Milt Sylvia. Yeah, was the, photo, the artist. The well, the, <laughs> the photojournalist for the uh, New Bedford right. uh, the Standard sorry. Times. But he was with the Standard Times. Somebody, he's passed away, his family, he has no family. The neighbors, excuse me, brought in his uniform, and we did a whole, uh, we do a monthly 
uh, exhibit now that we're putting up near the front, just different every month. And we did a whole exhibit on him, and we have his uniform, his ID tags or dog tags, uh, and a picture and a little description of him. And, uh, I mean, this is what we look. We look for people who are in the, uh, were in the military and were part of, you know, the, new, the greater New Bedford, or we call it the old Dartmouth area. Sure. And so this, this, that display has changed every month. Uh, do you normally try and do that with all your displays? Well, we've been trying to, we started that. Uh, one of our volunteers, Paul Thuza, um, came up with the idea of doing this display on a monthly basis. And, uh, we, you know, sometimes it's a little comical, like we had last month. We had two large uh, rucksacks in there and a sign that says, your back injury is not service-related. <laughs> so we yeah, think, you know, it's, uh, sometimes it's lighthearted. Sometimes it's thing like like this month is all about the Christmas truce during World War One. Okay. What was? Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Some people may not know about that. Well, the Christmas truce was back actually before even the United States got into World War One, and as Christmas came up, both sides. They, they were singing started Christmas carols. Some of the German soldiers and Austrian soldiers were singing Christmas carols, and the English came up. They stood up. Nobody shot at each other. They came out of the trenches and actually had a, a, a soccer match and uh, traded chocolates and stuff back and forth for Christmas. And uh, that was the only time during the whole war that ended up, and if I'm not mistaken, it was 1914 when that happened. Mm. And that tradition, though, did that continue in World War II, Korea, any of the other conflicts? Probably no, not. That was the only that was the only time it ever happened. Wow. Now there okay. are reports during World War II where there were small groups that um, Christmas was. Uh, how would I say? Between those areas, they stopped fighting and everything else, but that was about it. Okay. Um, we are not at war right now, thank goodness, although we are certainly helping the Ukrainians, Ukrainians in their fight against uh, Russia. Uh, are there people still bringing items in? Oh, well, there's people bringing in every single day. Wow. I mean, we have, we have two days when we like to bring them in, and it's going to be Thursdays and Sundays. That's when uh, the person who actually logs them in, and he comes in those two days, and I'm in on Sundays. Uh, to make the decision whether we can actually use the item. Because right now, we're at the point we cannot use uniforms unless it's something, uh, how would I say, spectacular or something of that nature, because yep. we have a, a storage room just full of uniforms. Every soldier, sailor, Marine, airman comes home with their uniform. So that's one of the things that they always have to turn in. But we get all kinds of things. You're listening to Town Square Sunday. I'm Jim Phillips. My guest is Bill Nedwich, who is president of the Fort Tabor, Fort Rodman Military Museum in New Bedford, South End. I would tell you, this is the place where you should take some time when you have a, a day, when you might be a day off, or it might be uh, on a weekend, um, and you have a little time to go through and see some remarkable photographs, some remarkable displays, um, and uh, you learn a little bit about not only your country, but also the area in which you live here, right here in Grady, New Bedford. 
Um, there's always a need for volunteers. Every nonprofit I know needs volunteers. How do you become a volunteer at the military museum? It's fairly simple. Just stop in, pick up a uh, volunteer application, fill it out, and if I'm there, I'll talk to you and see what you want to do. The thing we're looking for right now, and again, we do have we've looked for all kinds of volunteers, but right now is we are closed two days, Mondays and Tuesdays. And the problem I ha- we have is is a lot of people work, go, uh, students go to school, and so we, it's tough to fill the weekday spots. So hopefully, if we have, find some people who will actually come in on the weekdays and you know for three hours, mm-hmm. it's great. Uh, weekends, I can't believe the amount of young people that we've recently got who came in and volunteers. We have two that are in high school. We have one that I think is in middle school. We have a person who just graduated college. And we have a person who's in his uh, late 20s. I mean, it's amazing, and I'm so happy that I see younger people coming in to volunteer at the museum. That's and pretty unusual. Yes, it is, and I'm really happy. And these people have, uh, how would I say, some of them have blossomed in their speaking to people because when they first come in, they're not used to speaking to groups of people, mm-hmm. and they've blossomed while within the museum because we get them, go, go, go tell them about this. And their, their knowledge and history and things of that nature have increased. And any time we get students in, we are more than willing to give them letters to fulfill their high school requirements for uh, volunteer work and things of that nature. Yeah. Uh, we, we love doing that. Um, do you have to have a vast knowledge of military history to be a volunteer? No, none at all. I mean, you come in there, you find something that you like, <clears throat> excuse me, and you look at it, you it, <clears throat> you read up on it, and you talk to people about it. Yes, we have some people like me who's, who's been a history nut all my life and goes around and knows a lot of the different things, and some stuff I don't even know about. Hmm. But, you know, certain people come in, Young people, they come in and they have, they find out, oh, well, this is this, okay. But they start reading up on it. And it increases their knowledge and increases their knowledge to help the people in the museum. Of all the displays, um, um, uh, Bill, that are there, I mean, do you have the most, uh, I would say, probably Vietnam? Are they the, is that the largest group of displays, or do you try and even it out? Well, we try to even it out, but probably the largest group of displays we have is World War II. Okay. You got to remember, World War II is the largest amount of people who came from uh, this area who went to World War II. It was the largest group of individuals at any one given time. So that would be our largest display area. Be World War II. And you're still getting material in uh, from families uh, from World yes. War II veterans. Yes, we are. As the as the individuals, and I regret to say this, pass on. The families don't know what to do with their stuff. They don't want fights between family members. Oh, I want this, I want that. So a lot of them will come in, and as the family say, well, I think he would want them in the museum, and they bring them into the museum. Okay. Uh, We have many of the burial flags, because there's only one burial flag per uh, veteran. And where do we put it? You know, do we give it to this person, this person, this person? They come in, and they bring it to the museum. If you walk in our museum, you'll see them lined all around the the upper parts of the cabinets all over the museum. Bill, um, there's a lot of exhibits to see, a lot of exhibits to um, read about and all of that. What's your favorite exhibit at the museum? 
actually one of my favorites. Two, I have really actually two favorites. One of them is our Medal of Honor. I mean, there's very few museums that have actual Medals of Honor that aren't big federal museums. Mm-hmm. Um, this one's a Civil War era from an individual from the area, and I think it's fantastic that we have it. The other one is the uh, the Millican exhibit. It's not a very large exhibit, but we have it for the Millican battery, which was a gun battery that was named for the individual. He was a young gentleman, second lieutenant, who went to uh, New Bedford Textile Institute, and he left and joined the Army and went to World War One. When he left, he bought a book of German-English phraseology, and he brought it with him. Somehow that book, after he was killed in combat, got back to the United States. And about a year and a half ago, somebody brought it in. It's actually signed by him in the middle, inside, and there's some other things. I mean, how did this thing, they didn't even recover the man's body. He was the, the how would I say, the battle was so atrocious yeah. that he, they never found him. But his book got home. <laughs> wow. So was it with his family or just someone else? No, it was with some. It, somebody was cleaning out an old house, so I don't know who was there. They were just throwing things out, and the neighbor was over there. Oh, we'll help you, and they picked up the book. And the woman, um, Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Haru, looked at it and says, "Milliken, I know that name," because she opened up the book to see what it was, and <laughs> she brought. And so she says, "I know this name," and so she brought it to us. And yes, I even documented it with talking to, there's a piece of paper inside the book that was torn from a letter. And the letter was actually addressed to Milliken. And when I contacted the association, which was actually for stenography, uh, and back then they called it phonograph, of all things, they actually documented his location in New Bedford. So I know it was his book. Well, it's a... It's, it's a, that's an amazing story. That really is. Yes, it is. Bill, any uh, any special events planned in the future? Uh, at this moment, no. Uh, with the with the cost of uh, how would I say fuel and things of that nature this year, we're yeah. trying to keep back so we don't have to have the problem of you know running close on money. Events are becoming extremely expensive. Um, you know the, the the amount, and as you know, we only work on donations. Uh, we're hoping that. I'm trying to get a couple of groups that I can get down there that not not big events like bring some military vehicles in and stuff of that nature for mm-hmm. a day, and I hope to, hope to try to do that. I'm still trying to get our name out because I, there's a brand new sign down in on our corner of Elm Street and Route 18. It has mm. points up downtown with all the other museums, points nothing to us. Our next the sign that first sign that says anything about us is almost two miles away on the corner of Abbott and East Rodney French Boulevard. Hmm. Oversight? So that's our biggest problem. Excuse me, go ahead. <laughs> that was an oversight by someone? I don't know. I'm still trying to find out. I've been working on it this week. There's a yeah. brand new sign. It's only been up there a couple of weeks. And I'm trying to figure out what's going on. I know it's, it's done by the state. So I don't know whether our name was just omitted or we have to pay something. We don't know. But it just seemed, I just, when I drove by that sign, I just shook my head. I said, Again, nothing about us. Bill, you get to work on that because your museum oh, yeah. deserves uh, deserves uh, that kind of attention and publicity. And uh, really, it's a, it's a wonderful thing for the people of New Bedford. 
My guest has been Bill Nedwich, president of the Fort Tabor, Fort Rodman Military Museum. Bill, thanks for coming on, and uh, good luck in the coming years. Thank you for having me on, Jim. I hope everything's good, and I hope you have happy holidays. Thank you. That's it for Town Square Sunday. Thanks for listening. Thanks also to Jason Kent and Tim Weisberg for making this program happen every week. I'm Jim Phillips. Join us next week for Town Square Sunday. Until then, have a great week and a wonderful Sunday.